City Quick Connect podcast is brought to you by the Municipal Association of South Carolina. Hey, everybody. It's Casey Fields, your Municipal Advocacy Manager or Manager for Municipal Advocacy. I can't decide which one. Take your pick. Welcome to another edition of City Quick Connect podcast. This is one of the most favorite things about my job is being able to do this podcast and share inside legislative information with you with my partner in crime, the man, the myth, the legend, Scott Slatton. Hey, Casey. Thank How you. are you? Uh, I'm well. I hope you are, and I appreciate good. you having me back yet again. Well, I, it's, I, you're my boss, so I don't have a choice. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm <laughs> thrilled to have you. I'm, I really am. I'm thrilled to have you every week. Mm-hmm. Casey, we've, we've talked about this before. As you know, and everyone else should know, ours is a very flat organization. If anybody's, that is, that if anybody's bossing around, uh, I'm not going to name the man. So. Um, all right, Scott, last week, uh, if anybody read the Dome last Friday, they'll, they'll see that it was pretty lengthy. A lot of action going on, a lot of things happening. Let's kind of, let's recap some things that we think are important that, that we need to highlight. And let's start with the budget. Um, we've already talked about local government fund. We want to highlight, we're kind of taking the time to highlight different things that are in the House Ways and Means Committee version of the budget. So let's highlight the next two things on our list. And these are great things. These are the firefighter cancer benefit and um, PTSD funding. Yeah, these are two things that, the two items that were a part of our advocacy initiatives for this legislative session, the two-year session. So the first is uh, funding for the firefighter supplemental cancer plan. Uh, this is a, a, a supplemental insurance policy, if you will, that the General Assembly uh, set up last year through legislation, but they, they did not fund it. So right. it will provide supplemental cancer benefits to firefighters who uh, may be uh, unfortunately diagnosed with uh, a cancer of some kind and uh, that could be related to, to their work as a firefighter. So the uh, House Ways and Means Committee funded that at $3.67 million. Uh, right, that's to, wonderful. To provide that. So, and that, Scott, that benefit covers all South Carolina firefighters, whether they're paid or volunteer, is that correct? That's right. Yes, okay, that's correct. Great. Wonderful. So that that was a, a really big plus for uh, for cities and towns, and and we'll let's hope that it makes it survives the debate on the House floor in a couple of weeks, and and the Senate uh, when the budget moves over to the Senate, and of course we'll be working to uh, to, to see that that happens. The other right. thing that was the other positive development that came out of the House Ways and Means budget is that for the first time, the House Ways and Means Committee put recurring money into its proposed budget for the first responder PTSD treatment programs. So right. Th- that, this has those been pro- funded since yeah. 2016, but by the Senate, right? It's yeah, mostly, this, I mean, the House has agreed to it at right. the end, but it this, has been initiated by the Senate. That's right. The Senate has, since 2016, when the Senate received the House's budget, that and it did not have any money for these services, the Senate has put $500,000 for both programs, mm-hmm. uh, 250 each, for firefighters and for uh, um, police officers, but it's for all first responders, uh, put that, that money into the budget by way of a proviso. Mm-hmm. And 
one of the things that we've been advocating since the program was started was, is to put recurring dollars, recurring state money into the budget for those programs. And so right. for the first, so for the first time, the House Ways and Means Committee has done that. They put half a million dollars in recurring money into the budget for those programs, which is a great step forward. And certainly we all appreciate that the Ways and Means Committee uh, doing that on behalf of first responders across the state. So absolutely, we, that really shows that the, they really do like value and really care about mental health and first responders. Well, I think that's absolutely. Great. And and it's you know this has been these programs have been a central uh, discussion point in the uh, PTSD workers comp bill that we'll talk about in just a, a few minutes. Right. Um, but but you know the idea behind these programs is to provide first responders with PTS treatment as soon as they possibly can get it, right. so that they can get better and get back to work as quickly as possible. So uh, that's a great step forward. Hope that that survives the House debate, the the, the debate on the House floor, and you know certainly and and of course in the in the workers the PTSD workers comp bill testimony we asked for pleaded with the senate to uh include recurring monies in there and of course this is before before the the house released its budget so right um we'll 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 reinforce that message on the senate side whenever the budget reaches them hopefully in a couple of weeks so let's let's keep talking about ptsd so there this is in this money is a line in the state budget but there is a bill that was just passed by the Senate Judiciary Committee last week, and it's been um, added to the Senate calendar for debate by the full Senate on exemptions for first responders. Is that correct? Yeah. So right now, if a first responder wanted to make a workers' comp claim based solely on a diagnosis of PTSD, they would not be able to make that claim unless they also had some sort of a physical injury to go along with it. Right. Well, what, what Senate Bill 94 does is allow first responders to make a, a, a workers' comp claim solely based on their diagnosis of PTSD, which is mm-hmm. something new in South Carolina. There are several states across the country that have uh, PTSD, uh, exceptions in their workers' comp laws, but don't yet. So the, the bill started off very broadly. We worked with the Senate subcommittee, Judiciary subcommittee, mm-hmm. Senator Tom Young and Senator Gerald Malloy, of course, was in favor of this, whose bill 94 is. He's the primary sponsor of Senate Bill 94. Right. They all endorsed and agreed to our request to more clearly define the conditions right. under which a PTSD claim could be made. Narrow, are, narrowly defined. Just make yeah, sure that is very well narrowly defined. Yeah, right. define it, make it clear, uh, not that we don't support people who might be diagnosed with PTSD and, and need and need that workers' compensation insurance, but the way the bill was introduced was extremely broad, and so we, we worked to, to narrow it. Now, in, in doing that, we, we don't necessarily – support the bill at this point. We think there's still some other things that need to happen, some other amendments that need to be made to it, and we're working toward that end. But certainly the the bill is better now than it was uh, when it it started uh, deliberations a couple of weeks ago. Of course, we've already talked about this bill several times, but 
Now it's on to the Senate floor. Uh, we'll see what happens with the debate there. I know there are a number of other interested parties who are working for and against it, so uh, we'll just have to see. Now, one thing that the Senate subcommittee did and the Judiciary Committee agreed to was they narrowed the the uh, population of first responders who can receive, who can make the claim to just police officers and firefighters, both paid okay. and volunteer. Okay. Paid police officers, volunteer police officers, paid firefighters, uh, volunteer firefighters. So EMS, uh, coroners had asked to be included. Other, right. other first responder types, just police officers and firefighters are included in the bill at this point. So we'll see okay. what the Senate, the full Senate does with it now that it's on the floor. Great. So that's, that's happening this coming week, likely. Um, who knows whether they will get to it or not. Just kind of depends on the business of this week, but that it's on the calendar to get to it. Um, let's talk, Scott, let's kind of shift gears and talk about a little bit of zoning and zoning preemption. We've seen several bills that deal with, with preempting the city, county, town's ability to zone. And the, the one that is recurring, it just won't stop, um, is the, the vaping issue, the tobacco issue, um, yep. in zoning these shops or these stores that sell vaping materials or whatever you want to say. I don't know. I don't vape, so I don't yeah. know what you call it. Tell me tell me how that bill affects local governments and, and what we're doing to try to stop that bill. Yeah, so uh, there's a Senate bill – I mean, I'm sorry, a House bill uh, right. that rep- Representative Gary Semerle from Rock Hill is the primary sponsor, and he's also the House Republican uh, leader. He's the House Majority Leader. This bill is a, it was asked for by the uh, tobacco interest, particularly R.J. Reynolds. Mm-hmm. And what it does is preempts local governments from licensing or regulating in any way flavors, ingredients, the medium for the consumption of nicotine-based products, tobacco, uh, vape, Vapes, you know, vaping pens, vaping products. Right. But, and, and so, you know, the argument is, well, we, we just don't want a patchwork of cities and towns and counties across the state who say you can allow bubblegum flavor vape products in one city, but you can't in another. And, and, and as I testified in the subcommittee this week, look, that part of the bill is a solution in search of a problem because there are no cities in the the state of South Carolina nor any counties that I'm aware of who've even contemplated wanting to regulate flavors, Flavors. ingredients of of these kinds of things. Let me say this, and this is just a very quick, short PSA. I wonder what population that these companies are targeting with a flavor called bubblegum or a flavor called something, cotton candy. Let's let's get real here, okay? Thanks for my we'll, head talk. There we go. We'll leave we'll leave that as a rhetorical question that I right. that I'll no, let no, the, no. Don't want you to answer it. Okay, go beyond, ahead. Beyond this solution in search of a problem, the bill also, though not overtly, the bill also eliminates cities, towns, and counties' authority to zone these businesses. So mm-hmm. there are the city of Myrtle Beach a couple of years ago decided, hey, you know, these these types of products and businesses are not what we want to see in our downtown family-friendly environment in downtown Myrtle Beach. So right. the city of Myrtle Beach 
altered its zoning ordinance to uh, prohibit these businesses from locating in, a, in an overlay district downtown. Did not prohibit them at all from operating within the city limits. You can't do that. Right. They're legal. They're legal businesses, so you can't zone right. them out of your city. But it right. did say it did say just like we do with lots of other kinds of businesses, like mm-hmm. chemical plants, uh, lumber yards, things like right. that. Hey, you can work. You can operate in our city, but only in these particular districts. Right. This right. bill. This bill would prevent cities and towns from using that zoning authority on these kinds of shops, tobacco shops, vape shops, um, and, and, and other related businesses. So because of that, we obviously are opposed to that bill. We spoke in opposition to it and right. told the subcommittee that, hey, you know, let's, we'd like to see a bill at the very least amended to preserve local government's authority to uh, use their land use authority under Title VI, Chapter 29, which is the Local right. Planning Enabling Act. At the very least, we'd like to see the bill uh, amended that way. And, of course, uh, the chairman, Micah Caskey, who's from uh, Casey, said, well, Scott, this bill was introduced in January. Why haven't you guys come to an agreement? Why haven't you been talking to them? And I, and I responded and that, yes, we have been talking to the proponents right. of this bill, but up until that point, they they agreed and we agreed. Look, we're just they said no. That's not something that we can agree to, and we mm-hmm. understand that. You know, I get it. It's it's not, it's not personal, and so I mean, right up until the moment that I testified, just a couple right. of minutes before I testified, <laughs> did right. I find out uh, after having had a conversation on uh, the, that very morning prior to me getting to that subcommittee testimony. Um, to to the proponent to, to the lobbyist for the proponent of the bill, I, I again reiterated, hey, this is what we're looking for. He said we just can't do it. He came to me right before I testified and said, you know what? I talked to my people again. There may be some opportunity for some accommodation for you. So, okay. um, you know, in response to Representative Cassie's question mm-hmm. uh, about why we hadn't worked with him, I said, look, just found out. Just, right. I mean, breaking like news. Like breaking news. Right. Just, right. just right. found out that there may be an opportunity for us to make this bill less bad. Um, and so, again, I don't know that we could get to a position of supporting it. I don't, I don't, I don't know that municipal officials are, are, you know, as, and, and we as an association who represent all 271 cities and towns, uh, can say that we, uh, support um, vaping, well, vaping, vaping products and tobacco products. But at the very least, we can make it less bad to preserve our authority. So we'll be working in that direction. And it's, in the, it's in the dome, it's in the dome last, week. last week. So yeah, read the, go, read the go dome look. Week. Yeah, it's definitely there. So so read that. and uh, But call your House member, particularly uh, if they're on the House Judiciary Committee, and ask them to, at the very least, propose an amendment that we have that we can share with you, with elected uh, 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 city council members and mayors, to, to share with their house members. We'll be doing the same, but, uh, as we, as we say very often, uh, these kinds of responses and discussions are so much more effective when folks from back home have them with their house members and their senators. 100%. Those, those folks pay, look, they, they respect us, they, they appreciate the information we give right. them, but we're not their constituents. So. That's right. We um, have great relationships with them and yeah. are seen as a valued source, but we, we don't vote in their, in everybody's history. That's right. So, so yeah. when, when folks from back home 
talk to their House members and senators, those legislators listen. So we, if you have a conversation with your House member who particularly if they're on the House Judiciary Committee, we want to talk to you so you can talk to them and we can give you an amendment to uh, to make this bill less bad. Perfect. Less bad. Scott, so this week uh, we're looking at a normal week for the House and the Senate. The following week, beginning on Monday, March 22nd, we're looking at the full House of Representatives to debate the budget. Um, in my time doing this, since I guess it's been about 20 years since I started this kind of work, the majority of it with the Municipal Association, I've seen the budget happen in two days, three days, four days, mm-hmm. rarely all week. Um, sometimes it's just a couple days when there's no money to give out. It tends to go quicker. But we expect them to have a final budget in the next couple of weeks where then it will go over to the Senate to debate. Um, crossover yeah, is coming up. Go ahead. Those, those days of debate bleed into the next day sometimes. Right. Our, the the right. last, last time I covered budget week, which was a couple of years ago, it was 3 o'clock one morning before I left yes, the state house. So. Yes, it was. <laughs> it can, there have been it can times be a grind. where I have – where where you do spend the night and you do yeah. you leave for a little bit in order to uh, start a new legislative day and then you come back and you give it another reading and then you can go home and just because you you yeah. turn into a zombie I mean after you've done that for hours and waited and you see the proviso sheets coming out and you just kind of you zone out but and, that's and the, the name security, of the game man it's last man standing the security folks at the state house are somewhat sympathetic. I mean, they're having to stay up, too, but right. they're not going to let you stretch out in the lobby and uh, catch uh, a nap. No. you, you got to at least stay uh, upright in a chair if you're, if you're going right. to do that. So. You've got to maintain some decorum, as my mother would say. <laughs> decorum. Yeah, you can't bring your sleeping um, bag and look like so, you're at the airport. Right. So, right. Yeah. so we, we, we've got all these things going on, and so we're going to be looking at the next several weeks um, are pretty critical in bills that have not passed its their originating chamber. So we're going to be watching that before crossover. As everybody knows, the um, legislature adjourns in May. They will likely come back, as they have in many years past since they've made the change to um, adjourn um, for the year in May. They've come back several times to continue doing business if they haven't finished it. So let's hope that they get the budget done and we can, you know, kind of move on from that and not have to come back, but you know, you never know. They may. Well, we will. We'll be there yeah. the entire time. So the house is going to go on spring break when the week of the 29th. right the week after right? the budget. So yeah. they'll do the budget the week of the twenty second, and then the twenty ninth. I think I don't know if that's a Monday. It is. Um, or not. So that 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 week they'll be on spring break or furlough. So then they'll Look. come back that first week in April to to finish out the last month of the session. And then it's, I mean, it's crossover when they come back. Right. Crossover. Yeah. yeah. Like a week or two before crossover. And then, you know, we're heading into the final stretch. Just a quick reminder that this is the first year of a two-year session. So any bill that has been introduced this year, it continues. It stays in play for next session. And then after the 2022 session, all those bills after that session's over, they'll die. So we, we're going to have these bills for another year. So. Just because session's over in May doesn't mean that we don't have to worry about ones. Or the good part of that is we have more time to push the ones that we're trying to pass. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we'll be 
working on a lot of our offense late in this session over the summer and preparing to uh, come out of the gate in January. And it's going to be, you know, people might ask, well, why, why don't we do that every year? You know, this first year, and particularly this year, with the change in the majorities, the increase in the majorities in the House and in the Senate in particular for the Republicans, uh, that pushed a lot of these long-waiting Republican priorities to the front of the line that right. have dis- that have displaced a lot of time and opportunities for a lot of advocacy groups to to get That's their right. issues in front of them. So, uh, and then of course the uncertainty with how this thing was going to work with the pandemic. So next right. year, particularly this coming January, hopefully the virus will be under somewhat control and we'll we'll be looking more normal than we have the last two years in terms of legislative sessions. So. Right, uh, right. But but we'll always uh, we'll always use the summers to, to to lay some groundwork. Talk about let's talk real quickly about the uh, American Recovery Plan and what we what we know and what we are awaiting going so, forward. So I think this is a great opportunity to tease next week's podcast. We are going to talk to Erica Wright, who is on our staff. She has developed an amazing relationship with. Our federal uh, legislators, our House and Senate, U.S. House and U.S. Senate members, that delegation's offices, and those members. And she will have breaking information on all of the the funding and the, I guess, parameters around the funding in yeah. the ARP um, that everybody is kind of waiting to see. You know, it's been signed into law, but we're kind of waiting on the final numbers now. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, we're we're still waiting on confirmation of the final distribution numbers in terms of dollars for each of the cities and towns across the state. We've gotten some conflicting information over the last last week we got some conflict conflicting information in terms of what the numbers are going to look like. So, uh we we've pushed out today through the Uptown updates a one pager uh, letting everybody know what we know about the funds at this point and the guidance that we've been provided by the U.S. The US Treasury Department to this point. However, that guidance is likely and, and most certainly will change, much like it did with the CARES Act last year. So take this information that you'll get in the UU today, if you haven't already, and pay attention uh, it'll be on our website, and as we get updated information, we will be posting it there. But hopefully uh, by the end of this week and certainly by next Monday when Erica comes onto the podcast, we hope to have some firm information to allow folks to start doing some planning on how to use that money that, that's coming from the feds. It's a, It looks like right now it is a huge amount of money, could change the things that you can spend it on might change, but we're we're seeking clarity on that right now. And uh, as soon as we get it, we will be sharing it with you through all of our products. Uh, www.masc.sc, Uptown Update, the podcast, all of our social media accounts, Twitter, Facebook. So just uh, consume those products and look for that information. And um, tune in. Know, and tune in next week for uh, yeah, for Erica's tune in debut the on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Scott, thanks for joining me again. Everybody, thank you for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate it. I would say that we had time to take a caller, but we, nobody's ever going to let me do that. So you know how, maybe you one know day. I feel about that. Yeah. I know how you feel about that. We're never going to have callers. Um, that's that's a very strong, podcast. Very, um, very strong position I'm holding there. Um, everybody continue to wear a mask, practice social distancing, wash your hands, uh, get a vaccine if you choose to do so, and take care of yourself and others, and we will see you next week. Thanks, everybody. The City Quick Connect podcast is one of several ways the Municipal Association keeps you informed of the opportunities and issues impacting South Carolina cities and towns. Learn more at www.masc.sc and stay up to date with the association's latest happenings on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.